How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm kind of tired. I've already hit like my 10,000 steps. Okay, what were you doing? Tearing down walls? Like what? Yeah. Yeah, so we're renovating our house, as you know, but our listeners Uh probably don't know. We're like totally stripping it down to the studs. So I was like tearing out a wall, which was, it's so tiring because (laughs) usually like when you hit a wall with a hammer, you can usually like pry it off and like a whole strip comes off. Gotcha. But this one is like plaster. So oh, when you hit it and like pried it, it would just like crumble. Huh. So it was like a ton of work. So I'm really scared. <laughs> um, yeah, but, that's intense. Yeah. Well, thanks for being a sport and recording the podcast right after. Yeah. <laughs> we still need to do the introduction, don't we? Um, we do. How do we even do this? Um, I don't know. Oh, I think we just say hello. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Talk A Latte podcast, the podcast where we discuss how to navigate life as a Christian teen through a teen's perspective. I'm Tatum, joined with my co-host, Erin Jimerson, and I'm Erin Jimerson, joined with my co-host, Tatum Clark. (laughs) Yay! Uh, Yeah, very cool. We did that. Good job. We did that. <laughs> Crushed it. Okay, how are you doing since I've already gone? I'm doing pretty good. I have been fairly productive today. I mean, I did wake up at like 11, so that kind of well, didn't make it super productive, but I did need the sleep. I've been going nonstop. Um, so that was nice just to kind of sleep in. But yeah, I've been working on some various projects, various podcast stuff, various school projects. So that's been good just to do that. And then the weather is like so nice. So it's just yeah. been nice to look out the window. And the really bummer mm-hmm. deal though is my allergies are so bad. I can't really go outside right now. Dude, so I feel that. Like really It bad. stinks when you can't open the windows and like I get know, the fresh air. Because then I just like start sneezing and yeah, it's not really Yeah, same. But at least I get to enjoy it from the window. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, today we actually have kind of a special episode. We recorded a... Um, interview with our high school pastor Daniel Chen yesterday um and so you guys will hear that in a little bit but before we get into that we have a special segment that we always do on the show um which is none other than the talk a latte segment I have to open mine still okay I made mine like 20 minutes ago and it's almost gone <laughs> so there's like two sips left. what is it okay so i made an iced coffee Ooh. and we didn't have like a ton of ice so there's not really any ice in it <laughs> but it's still cold and it's pretty good nice <laughs> that's, that's smart that's smart that you made an iced coffee because if it was a hot coffee and you waited 20 minutes it wouldn't be super great but yeah. that was smart Okay, so I have this brand new thing. Oh, wait, before, actually, we need to do a taste test on your coffee. Sink it, dink it, rate it. Okay. Give the listeners the full experience. I'm like, this is the first time I've drinking. <laughs> okay. What, okay do you, little, what are you getting? What flavors are you getting? Okay, so it's a little bit watery because <laughs> I added ice. The ice. So it's a little watery. I put, like, too much creamer in it, so it's a little too sweet. But I can These are great it. reviews. No, it's two thumbs up. No. Okay, so on a scale, on a scale of um, grass clippings to clouds, what would you rate your coffee? 
clouds because it's extremely watered down. <laughs> I like the way you think. I like the way you think. All the water molecules. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So would you recommend it? I would. <laughs> yes. It's very simple to make. You just put the ice into the coffee maker. No way. That's what I did. Like into okay. the little glass. I don't even know what you call it. The thing that the coffee pours into. Gotcha. And then you put ice in your cup, and then pour it on, add some cream, good to go. Nice. Awesome. Very cool. Well, today I am drinking this brand new thing that my mom picked up for me at Trader Joe's. Um, actually, no, this is not from Trader Joe's. I don't know where this is from. <laughs> um, it's called Go Smart Cold Organic Pressed Juice Gently Pasteurized Restoration Red Tomato Tart Cherry Beet Strawberry Apple Lime 100% Vegetable and Fruit Juice Blend. Dang, that's one combination. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that looks so, really good, actually. Um, it's in, like, a glass jar. Ooh, a little popper. Oh, so you haven't tried it. So this is oh, a real reaction. This is a real reaction. Raw, okay. real, just like this juice, apparently. You <laughs> shake it up. All natural, organic. I mean, it's from 7-Eleven, I think. So let's see how natural <laughs> I can actually get. <laughs> that's actually funny. <laughs> let's see. Ooh, it actually smells really good. It smells like... um. You know those odd walla like strawberry banana mango juice things? Mm-hmm. It smells kind of No, like I that. don't, but I'm just gonna okay. say that. Well yeah. <laughs> huh. Interesting. It's very fruity. It's got like fruit pulp in it, which I'm not a massive fan of, but it's actually pretty good. Nice. Is mm. it tea? Is that what it is? No, it's cold pressed juice. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I do like it, though. I would recommend it. It's called the Cold Organic Pressed Juice Jelly Pasteurized Restoration Red blah, blah, blah. <laughs> if you want to try it. From seven Oh, yeah. Okay, but dude, what, what scale am I ranking this on? Okay, you are doing yours from peach fuzz <laughs> to <laughs> banana hairs. <laughs> <laughs> banana hairs? Like yeah, the stringy you stuff? Feel, yeah, like oh, little man. things on the inside. <laughs> okay, I would say I would say kiwi fuzz. Okay. So like kind of spiky, but like enjoyable and like you can eat it and it's good and then it has like something really good on the inside. Cause like Okay. I feel like the name is kind of scary and you're like, oh, what is this? <laughs> and so that's like the spiky kiwi and then like, you know, oh. you, you have it and it's like pretty good. So that's very deep. Nice job. But like on a Thank scale you. to one from one to ten, what would it be? Um, maybe a seven. It's actually pretty good. Mm. It just I'm not a huge fan of like it's pretty sugary. Mm-hmm. The natural sugars. But it's in good. <laughs> Did you put sugar into yours? No, it's just cream. It's like really <laughs> sweet cream. Like nice. <laughs> Are we gonna be doing another challenge this week? I actually haven't done mine yet because we record these <laughs> in a weird way and so it's not yeah. really possible for me to have done it yet. But <laughs> I know you did yours. Yeah, Very I impressed. Did. Should we keep that challenge going for another week? Or yeah, let's we... just do one more week and then you can okay. finish yours up. Yeah. And then we can post both of our pictures on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, well, I think that now that we have done the Talk A Latte segment music intro here, uh, I think we're going to jump right into our interview with Daniel. And we hope that you guys enjoy this fun little um, interview that we did kind of just talking about his testimony and some yeah. other things. It was actually really fun to record. Yeah, it was um, super encouraging to hear yeah. his story and things that happened in his life and how God's 
met him through that. So right, right. Hope you guys enjoy it. Pastor Daniel Chen, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I know that today is Good Friday, um, and we're kind of going through kind of a crazy season right now. What What is life looking like for you right now? Yeah, uh, it's been interesting. Um, so for home life, it's been a little hard. With I have a, I have a two year old who's about to turn three in next week. Oh wow! Yeah, and he's uh he's very high energy, so he's not having his normal outlets of going to his little classes or hanging out with his friends. So um, he's just been needing a lot more attention from from Mama and I, and you know we've been trying our best to keep up with him. But yeah, it's been super fun. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I know that this time in everybody's life is just kind of kind of crazy. So we just kind of wanted to have you on the show to kind of just maybe help um, spread some positivity for our listeners. So Tatum has a question for you to jump right mm-hmm. into it, and uh, then we'll start getting to know you better too. Sweet. Yeah, so we have a really serious question for the Very first serious, one. Yes. Oh, nice. Um, this is actually something Aaron and I disagree on, so <laughs> we just want to get your opinion on it. Okay. So would you rather live in the desert or the Arctic for, like, the rest of your life? Oh, I think desert. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, but you have to explain why. Why would you rather live in the desert? Um... I think I like heat more than being cold. Gotcha. And I feel like, mm-hmm. like when I was living in California, I actually really loved those really hot days. Like be a hundred degrees and I'll go for a run outside. In the oh my day. goodness. How do you do And then like a little extreme. Yeah. I, I feel like the heat helps me be more active. The sunshine keeps me happy, mm-hmm. but being cold and miserable, I just, I just feel like I just sleep all day and, and just be, bored and miserable i know i would hate that that (laughs) yeah okay well i don't enjoy the heat very much i disagree with both of you guys but that's awesome wow well yeah yeah we're gonna keep a tally uh, for all of our guests but oh nice (laughs) nice so now that we got that very very serious question out of the way um we just want to kind of get to know you a little bit better so what exactly is your background? Like, where did you grow up and what's some like basic background um, story to your life? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So I've moved a little bit in my life. And um, I mean, if you start way back, I was born in California in Upland, California, Southern California. And then within a week after I was born, my family moved back to Taiwan. So I lived in Taiwan for actually the, I think the first five or six years of my life. And in Taiwan, we didn't just stay in one spot. We bounced all over Taiwan and we moved to Hong Kong for a period of time. And oh, wow. we're in China for a period of time. For me, honestly, I was just so young that I don't really remember too much of it. I know there are, there are images and there are things I do remember. Um, and yeah, I grew up in, you know, for my whole life, I guess, kind of like kind of understand my childhood was I grew up in a single uh, mom family single parent home it was just me my mom and my older brother and uh and it was it was a it was was kind of interesting you know um you know I didn't understand why we moved a lot but I just remember it just being fun just being with my mom all the time Mm -hmm. and then uh 
I'm just getting to my faith a little bit. I remember, you know, as a kid, my mom took me into like uh, temples and synagogues and stuff. And, and I remember going in there still this day, like I must've been like probably three or four. Or I don't, I don't know how little I was, but I remember going in there and just being terrified. Cause like you go in and there's like, yeah, countless statues and they're all angry and they're all staring at you. And again, like now that I'm bigger, the statues are smaller, but back then they're like huge, like statues. And there's like, and I remember like, I just did not want to be there. And it just felt like, I don't know if dark was the right word, but it just felt angry and it felt oppressive and it felt scary. So I was like, I just, I just did not enjoy that at all um and then you know hit around i think five almost six range um i remember pretty vividly like my parents got into a really really bad fight um and it was just i remember just being so terrified and horrified of what was going on i think i passed out out of fear Mm -hmm. of being like a little kid and crying my eyes out and just completely passed out I think and um the next thing I knew well you know we're we're moving again you know and before I knew it we moved to California to I think Cupertino California where which is the home home of Apple and all that and all that stuff and mm-hmm. moved there in 1995 or 96 again somewhere around that point um and it was interesting because once I moved out here you know, like I lived in Taiwan my whole life. I didn't speak English. Mm. I didn't really know anything. But again, for a five-year-old, all I needed was my mom. And mm-hmm. she was there. And, that's, and that was awesome. Uh, so, you know, moved here before I knew, you know, we bought a house and going to school. And I remember going to school and just being completely lost. Mm. You know, I didn't understand the language. I didn't understand what was going on. And I just remember like just being super lost. And I remember a teacher would call on students and like seemed like everyone had the answer to what she was saying. And I didn't even know what she was saying. Oh, you know, yeah. so it created a lot of like, I would say insecurity and fear. And I just remember not wanting to be at school because I felt dumb and I felt out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then growing up in a single home, you know, just there's all an, instability in my home and in my life and um you know which you know just created a lot of insecurities created a lot of uh fear and you know um and i was i felt like i pretty much had like a pretty oppressive relationship with my older brother Mm -hmm. and that was really hard um so going through all the school going out through our life i always felt like i was never worthy i was never good enough and I was never going to really accomplish anything or do anything. And I just kind of lived in this state of like a fear of people, fear of everything, afraid to open up and to share what's going on because, you know, I was, I was scared everyone was going to hurt me in a degree. So I went to a Christian school and then they, I remember for the school, that was cool. They did a retreat with everyone. So they took us to camp and um, in a camp, I remember it was a Christian camp and we get there and I was like, Oh, this is cool. I've never did anything like this. I never slept outside my house. I never like, you know, surrounded by everyone for a whole week. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just did it. Cause that's what you're supposed to do. Right. 
and then uh camp was camp was really cool like it was really eye-opening for me i remember um going to camp and having the worship and the messages and i just remember like sitting in a room it's a huge room and i remember looking there's probably like 400 students all middle schoolers all worshiping god Mm-hmm. hands raised some kids were crying like it was just so passionate you feel the energy you feel the love and you just you feel god's presence there mm-hmm. and i remember sitting there like this is incredible wow. um and to kind of give you a background about more my spirituality growing up is i never questioned if god was real or not i always believed god was real and believed he was good mm-hmm. I just never believed I was worthy of God's love. So at that moment, you know, I was sitting there and just seeing everyone just worship God. And I was like, this is amazing. And then like all of a sudden, like a, a guilty feeling, all of a sudden a guilty feeling. I was like, I shouldn't be here. Mm. You know, because everyone here is worshiping God and God is amazing and God is good and he is responding and he is loving them. And it's, anyways, it's a beautiful relationship, but I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And I felt if I stayed, I would ruin this for everyone because they're all in the, mo- in the moment. I'm not. So I figured at that point, seventh grade, I was like, ah, oh, I better just leave the room and leave the auditorium and and go back to the cabin or just go away so I don't I don't disturb what's going on so I just turned around and walked out the door I don't know how I did that in seventh grade no one stopped me but sure enough I did I walked out the door and I was walking back to uh, my cabin and I remember praying I was like God if you would love me that would be really really cool and I think those are probably the exact words I use as seventh grader and uh you know, and I'm walking and I'm like, what the heck did I just ask of God? You know, and I remember feeling a huge weight of guilt again because I'm like, I don't deserve God's love. And I remember telling him, praying, because like, God, I'm so sorry for even asking that of you. Like you are almighty, perfect, good God. And I don't deserve your love. I never deserve it. I never earn your love. Like, forget that I even pray that. Last thing I want to do is guilt such an amazing being into caring and loving me. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, so yeah, so that's what I prayed. I was like, you know, like, you know, God, you know, forget that prayer. Like, pretend I never said that. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And I'm like, ah, oh, why did I say that? I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I can't, how can I ask this of God? So then I'm still walking back to my cabin. And then all of a sudden, like, I mean, I remember it like yesterday, like I felt this presence like dump and consume me completely, mm-hmm. like surrounded me and like, it felt like a really thick cloud, like just completely surrounded me and it penetrated deep into my bones. Wow. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And I remember at that moment, I looked at my hands and I was like, my hands don't feel real. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like everything I've experienced to this point in my life doesn't feel real anymore. Like this presence feels more real than my life itself and everything I've seen and touched. 
Wow. And then I remember like, whoa. And it, and it made me feel so joyful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, God, is this you? And I felt like my soul, like my body to rip apart saying, yes, this is God. Wow. And I was like, God, does this mean you love me? And then God's like, yes, I loved you. I love you. And I've always loved you. I started getting flashbacks in my life of, of moments where I could have died or moments that were really hard. And he showed me he was always, he had always been there. Wow. Like he wasn't choosing to love me from this point because I asked him to, but he has always loved me. And I remember that was the first time in my life where I just felt such a peace and a joy in my heart. Cause I always lived in fear. I always was anxious but all of a sudden, all of those things just went away and I felt peace mm. and felt joy. And I was like, and I felt love. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And I remember in that moment, I was like, if this is eternity in heaven, then I can go there and I want to be there for eternity just wow. to live like this forever. Yeah. That is so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's like, it was, it was crazy. And then um, going forward, you know, before I know I'm heading into high school, and then uh, my family, again, my mom, we kind of went in and out of churches, you know, never really consistent. Um, but by this point, I'm going to high school when no one, no one's going to church. And I remember like having a Bible at home and I was like, I didn't think I was actually allowed to read the Bible as, as funny as that sounds. Mm-hmm. I thought the Bible was only for pastors and like scholars and smart people to read. And it was never mm-hmm. for me. But for some reason, having this Bible and had like a plastic glow in the dark cross Having those two things always made me feel close to God. So I actually hid my Bible underneath my pillow and across underneath my bed so that I could feel near to God every night. Getting to high school, again, wasn't um, making this, you know, feeling a little more confident and feeling more peace in my heart. So I was starting to make more friends and just kind of have fun and, and coming out of my shell a little more. But at the same time, I was still really reserved. Like the, my friends knew me one way, but deep down, I was still hiding so much pain and mm-hmm. so much fear. Um, and I remember being in high school, like, again, I never really cared to be the most popular guy. I just wanted to have some friends that was really fun. I wanted to do well at a few things in sports and all stuff. And all, all of a sudden, I, by, you know, high school goes by and, you know, senior year, I felt like I was on top of the world. Like mm-hmm. I had the friends that I wanted, um, I had, you know, I was dating someone at the time, which not a great decision, but it's what I wanted in high school and I was excelling in sports. So I'm like, it doesn't get better than this, (laughs) you know, and I'm cutting class like almost every day to go to the beach and hang out with my friends. And, you know, so high school senior year was just my one giant party of living for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember like me and my friends, we had so much fun. And then all of a sudden high school ends, you know, and it just, it felt like it ended super abruptly. <laughs> like, I, don't know I mean, no, it's coming, but all of a sudden, like four years all gone, your seniors right. all gone. And I remember at that moment, I felt so lost. I remember I was like, um, you know, at the time the girl I was dating, she broke up with me. Again, everything just ended. I, but I found my identity in sports can't play high school sports or not in high school Mm um you know my friends are going off to college half of my friends got college the other half weren't the ones that weren't seem like they're getting more into 
drugs and stuff that I didn't want to get into. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are going off to college, I felt like I couldn't follow either. So I just felt like trapped. I felt like I have no future and I have no purpose. And all of a sudden, you know, it became really, really depressing, mm-hmm. you know? And um, mm-hmm. I remember like, I was like, I was getting more and more depressed and I was, I'm not, my personality is not to sit around and sulk. Like I, if I feel sad, I'm going to go do something to make me happy. Whether it's listen to music or play, mm-hmm. work out, like all that. So, like, okay, like I got to get myself up, pick myself up. So go play sports, go hang out with friends, go do everything. And I just felt constantly miserable. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, like if I could feel my heart hurting and it felt like a knife sticking in my heart and getting deeper every single day. Mm-hmm. So then after three weeks, I got like really, really depressed. Um, after two weeks, I got really, it got really bad. Um, I noticed like my mom was starting to get concerned about me and noticed like my friends were even starting to get concerned about me, but I thought I was hiding it well. And, um, and I remember thinking like, man, I have no future. Mm. And if this is all life is, and I'm just going to be continually miserable and this pain that I'm doing everything I can in my power to get rid of and it won't go away. I can't live like this, mm. you know? So then I started wrestling with suicide and I started wrestling with, um, you know, life worth living. Should I, you know, like who, who would really care if I died and mm. started wrestling all these horrible questions. And, and then I started seeing like, okay, am I scared to die? And each day I would try to do things to see how close I could get to death without actually dying. Mm, wow. And then finally I got a point. I was like, I'm not, I really don't care if I die. <laughs> like, you know, and I don't think anyone else will, which is never true. But mm. at that time, that's what I thought. And, and I remember after the end of the third week, I had barely eaten, barely slept and I'm just miserable. I remember praying and asking God, like, God, I can't keep going on. Oh, I remember like in my head, I was like, I, I haven't talked to God in a while. I should talk to God. Mm-hmm. So I remember I sat down with, I was in my bed. I was praying. I was like, Lord, hey, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll probably, you know, say my goodbyes and take my life tomorrow kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but then also I thought I had this brilliant, brilliant idea again. I had no theology back then. I never read the Bible. I don't know anything. <laughs> so I'm like telling God, I'm building a plan. I'm like, God, this is my plan. I know you're a good and loving God. And I know you love this world and you seek to redeem it and to do all these great things. And I know my life has no future, no purpose. I might as well make a deal with you, God. How about you destroy my soul as though I've never existed, as though I've never lived and you could use my body, put an angel on my body and go do great things with it. Again, no theology, but I thought that was a brilliant plan, you know, and I believe God's fully capable of doing that. Yeah. And I thought, I was like, so I'm like telling God my brilliant plan. And, and then uh, I said, uh, it's almost like 3 a.m. at night. And I'm just like, God, like, let's, let's do this. And then all of a sudden, um, God gave me a vision of me standing in the palm of his hand. Now his now I'm like a speck and his hand is like further than I can run. And it's just, a, it's just mm. endless. Mm. And his hand closes on me and he's saying, I love you and I will never let you go. Wow. And I'm like, God, but what about my perfect plan? <laughs> like I was like upset and I was like, <laughs> 
and, and God's like, continue showing me that over and over. It's like, I love you and I'll never let you go. Wow. And I'm like, but God, you don't get it. Like my plan is perfect. Like what's the point of being here if I have no future, if I can't accomplish anything? Like, like what's the point? And God continues to show me that over and over. So then I was like, finally, like, God, like, what do you want me to do with my life? Like, I got, I have no future. I have nothing. Mm-hmm. And God uh, showed me a picture of a dark, a small, like a decent size, like kind of size of our prayer chapel. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like a, it's a dark room and it's dark. And I'm standing on this little stage and I'm sharing his love. And I'm, you know, preaching in front of, in front of people, in front of like, young people and I was like I was like God now I know you're crazy (laughs) because if you knew anything about me in high school I skipped every speech in high school (laughs) I was like terrified of public speaking you know I was terrified of opening up and being honest I was you know like all these things that I've hid deep down in me that I was was so scared scared of like God was telling me to show and and to stand in front of people teach, I'm like, God, you got the wrong person. Like, like I know you're being a smart God, but I'm telling you now, like, you are wrong. Like, mm-hmm. that will never, ever happen. And then uh, after that, I was like, God, you're crazy. I'm done. I'm just going to take my own life tomorrow. There's no point. Because mm-hmm. what you want me to do, I can't do. Anyway, so, so I'm wrestling with the Lord that night still. And I'm just like, I'm done. I'm not even going to fight you anymore. I'm just going to listen to you, I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then God, all of a sudden, started pounding in my heart and my ear, like, just stand up, just get up, just get out of bed, just get up, get up, get up. I'm like, God, I can't. I'm tired. I haven't slept. I haven't eaten really much in, in about two, three weeks. And like, but it felt like I couldn't reason with God. And all he was doing was saying that. So I was like, I'm just going to get God to stop talking to me by standing up and standing up and out of bed. And let's go right back to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, so I literally get out of bed at 3 a.m. and just stand up. And all of a sudden, all that depression just went away instantly. Wow. And I felt joy in my heart again. And it shook me. I was like, whoa, like that knife that was in my heart that I felt, felt like gone. And wow. I, felt, I felt like nothing had happened. I felt so joyful again. And looking back on it now, um, processing after looking back on it now, it's like I realized that was the first time I really listened and obeyed God. Mm-hmm. And I found joy in just obeying obeying him and following him mm-hmm. um, so I was like God if you can change that in my life I'll listen to you and I'll follow you but I'm telling you right now your plan is still horrible and I'm just going to go and embarrass myself everywhere I go and this is going to be absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. um, so I was like but I mean but if you could take that pain then I'll do it so anyway so this is our journey of okay I'm gonna try to seek and follow the Lord I started driving myself to church I started to like do everything I can to like grow in the Lord without reading the Bible which sounds kind of funny um and then about a year later I was working and honestly I have my Bible with me everywhere I have one in my car I have one on my bed I carry one in my backpack it's just everywhere but never read it mm-hmm. and then one day I was um working and at a coffee shop and God put it on my heart. It's like, Daniel, you know that thing they carry with you everywhere? And I was like, in my head, I was like, yeah. It's like, it's time to open up and start reading it. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I guess I could do that. That makes sense. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I've heard the word gospel meant Jesus. I was like, okay, I better start there because I don't know anything about Jesus. And I heard gospel was 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because that's Jesus' story. But like, I don't know Jesus' story. So I figured I start Matthew because Matthew's probably his birth. Mark would be his adolescence. Luke would be his adulthood. And, <laughs> and John would be his death. So I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I'll start there. So I flip through the, the table of contents, go to Matthew. And oh my gosh, like it was it just completely transformed it. Like I, mm. everything I knew about God and saw of God and loved about God, I read it in his word wow. and, yeah. and it confirmed everything. It showed me so much more. And I remember for months, I probably read about eight hours a day just cause that's all I wanted to do wow. was to yeah. have God speak to me. And I want, and I was understanding things for the first time. And, um, and that's when I really just fell in love head over heels with the Lord. Mm. So I would say seventh grade, he really became the savior of my life when he rescued me from fear and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, soft, uh, after high school, he became the Lord. I decided to follow him and listen to him. And then when I read the Bible, so I fell in love with him. And that's kind of how my life kind of happened, three phases of my journey mm. with the Lord. And then, you know, after that point, you know, it's like, I just couldn't get enough of the word of getting, getting, getting enough of prayer. I just trying to do everything I can to grow in the Lord. And, and then, um, and then the Lord all can let me hear, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think a cool part that I've been really appreciative is when I came to the Lord, I came with, to him with nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I told him I'm not worthy of your love. I'll never be worthy of your love. And he showed me he still, he still loves me and he's always been there. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helped me for my walk, at least understand that uh, I don't have to earn his love. Yeah. Like he, he loved me at my worst when I had nothing mm-hmm. you know? and he would continue yeah. to love me still. So, so that's kind of a little bit of my story. plus a lot of my story, I guess, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. That was such awesome. an inspirational story. Oh, cool. I'm glad, glad it could be used. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I was just thinking when you're telling that story, um, when you changed in after high school, when the Lord actually became your savior and you started living for him, um, how did the people around you respond to that? Were they, did they disrupt or were they kind of worried about you? Like you found some weird religion or what was that like? Yeah. Um, it was interesting because it was a, actually a pretty natural time because all my friends, we kind of started going our separate ways. You know, like um, going off to college and to different parts of the United States or wherever else. Mm-hmm. And again, we were really close, so we all still like kept in touch. But we also had like a lot of space. Like we'll see each other on weekends, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and I would say my friends were uh, definitely kind of worried. You know, my friends are definitely like, like, is this a phase? Is this gonna like, you know? Because like I was like pretty messed up in high school like I, I I cussed all the time and like everything like it's just you know mm-hmm. it's a really lost person and also I stopped doing all that and I wouldn't partake in the same kind of stuff that that they were doing that we used to do all the time and it was you know so it was a it was a challenge it was an adjustment for everyone but we all cared about each other so much I think they're willing to put up with it and mm-hmm. and to like write it out with me kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah that's really cool. So after you became to know the Lord um, and you started to love the Lord, what exactly was your journey into um, high school ministry and how did you get there? 
Okay, yeah. So after that point, I joined a college ministry. Um, again, I just want to do everything I can, be involved in everywhere I can to learn about the Lord. And I joined a church that was teaching the Bible, that's encouraged me to read the Bible. Um, and college ministry, you know, I got in there and met some of my closest friends through there and uh, met my wife through there, actually. So that was really a great place for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and just started serving, just serving everywhere I can from, from the small things to like, you know, whatever was needed, driving people and picking up people, like anything, any way I can to help someone, any way I can to learn about the Lord, I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and also a little bit a year later, my church, you know, not less than a year later, it's probably like six months later, I found out they had a, offered a tr- uh, internship at the church. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I was like, I want to do that. Not because I want to be in ministry. Actually, that was the last thing I wanted to do is be in ministry. Um, but I was like, I could do that. And I was like, I, you know, I want to do it not because I wanted to obtain something, but because I just want to be around these pastors that admired so much mm-hmm. that like knew so much about God's word that they love God so much. And you can just see it. I was like, I just want to be around those people and I want to serve and be a blessing in any way I can. Um, so I started interning and, and through that, like I learned just so much more about the Lord. Um, and then there was also offered a, a kind of a school ministry Bible college there. And I was like, I was like, I want to do that because I want to learn more about the Bible. And I remember sitting in a class one time and like yeah. everyone in the class went around saying why they're there. And everyone was there because they want to be a ministry, like pastor, missionary, or whatever organization. And it got to me and I was like, I just want to learn more about the Bible because I don't know it. <laughs> you know, like, like honestly, and yeah. uh, so, so it's pretty funny. And then, um, but honestly, even during that whole time, I felt like the Lord was calling me in ministry. You know, because of that vision I got, people would say it to me almost monthly, like, damn, like, you're going to be a pastor one day. But I was so scared because I knew you could never live. I, I was so scared of misrepresenting God. Mm-hmm. And I was so scared of leading people wrong that I was like, there's no way I would ever do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was, and yeah, so it's it a, and I remember people say it to me, like, no, I'm never going to do that. that. Like, that's not me. Don't worry. Like, that's not going to happen. Um, and actually Rosanna was the one that kind of helped me through that wrestle. It's like, man, if the Lord is with you, you know, if this is what God has for you, then he will be with you and you'll, you'll be okay. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And it took the weight off of me and it became like, man, I, I could do it because of God. Mm-hmm. And then also verses like God uses the foolish things of this world to shame the, you know, shame the wise and all that. So like I could be foolish, you know? So I was like, mm-hmm. God can use me. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, so because I think I had a really horrible misconception where I had to be perfect and all this stuff. And then the more as I learned about the Lord, the more I realized I just had to be willing and able. I'd be willing and he and he will be able. Yeah, that's so true. Okay, oh, so for high school, sorry. Um, <laughs> You're good. <laughs> uh, I, sorry, I keep tangenting. Or keep <laughs> You're good. Um, so yeah, so that's how I got my kind of start in ministry, serving college ministry, serving the church, and just getting more and more involved. Um and then at that time, my pastor down there, he said, he kept, I was talking with him. He told me, he was like, Daniel, it's like, this is the most um, complacent or peaceful life has ever been for him. Like churches mm-hmm. do amazing. People are getting saved. Life is good. 
Mm-hmm. And then also he he shares like, and I wonder if that does that mean what the Lord is doing with that? And uh, he just and then he ended up going to England for a mission trip, and then he came back and, and then he shared with us. It's like you know, it's like I, he's like I love it here, but I feel like the it's time the Lord is Lord is moving me on. It's mm-hmm. time to start fresh work in Europe because there's so much people that are dying without the gospel. Mm. The culture there is just dead. It's just hopeless. It's, you know, they call it post postmodernist world, mm. you know? And um, mm-hmm. so I sat there listening to this in my heart. I was like, I could go, <laughs> you know, like, why not me? Like I have nothing really holding me down, mm. you know, like, I want to go. And I remember seeing that right at that moment praying. It's like, God, would you like, do you want me to go with him? Do you, can I go? And God has spoke my heart. No. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? And I felt like almost jealous. And I was like, I want to be on an adventure with the Lord. Mm. And then, uh, so that really pushed me for the next two to three months. I, I hiked up a mountain probably twice a week, prayed every single day, Lord, send me, I'll go. Mm-hmm. Lord, use me. And a, a Chris Thomas song came out around then. Uh, if you go, I'll go, whatever. Mm-hmm. I forget how it goes. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I remember that one really inspiring to me. And I was like, God, just send me here. And I was like praying like, God. I started thinking of all the places no one else wants to go. I was like, I'll go to Middle East. I'll go to China. Like, just tell me where. Give me a direction. I'll go. I just want to be on such an adventure for the Lord. I started praying like every day. And and God's like, wasn't giving me anything. It's like, well, am I called to stay? Like, if you want me to stay, I'll stay. And God's like, no, you're not called to stay either. <laughs> and I'm like, you're not telling me where I'm going. You're not telling me where I'm staying. Like, what am I supposed to do? And just praying and praying and praying. And then one day, God, um, because of like a random interaction I had with someone I met in passing and heard about Oregon and I was sitting up there, I was like praying. I was like, God brought that to mind. I was like, God, are you saying go Oregon? And God's like, yes. Mm. go to Oregon mm. and I'm like Oregon <laughs> what the heck's in Oregon <laughs> you know like for a California boy theory and theory like I didn't even know like anything was past Sacramento really and I was like what's what's Oregon and then uh, I heard about the ducks and the beavers before and I was just like well maybe you know, like that, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then God w- was showing me, it's like, like the people of Oregon, not say everyone, but he's just showing me in my heart. It's like, I want you to go and show them that following me is worth it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what he was putting in my heart. Like giving up everything and just following me is worth it. And I was like, okay. About a month later, I kind of told people, oh, I guess I'll go to Oregon. <laughs> so then I started packing my bags and trying to find any way to find a contact out there because I didn't know a single person in Oregon. Wow. So then like a friend of a friend of a friend would try to get connected with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, <laughs> I ended up in Washington. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. I drove, so I drove right through Oregon with all my stuff. <laughs> and again, being a single 20-year-old, I didn't have much stuff filled up my trunk. You know, so I ended up in Washington, ended up uh, working at a church out there for a few months. Um, just working for my rent basically, or mm. working for cheap rent, I guess. I still paid rent, but just cheap rent. But it got it got me to understand more and more about how this church operates. And it was a good wake-up call because it was so different from the church I came from. Mm. And just working out there's different churches. And there I met someone else who brought me to Portland. And from Portland, I met someone else that brought me all the way to Corvallis. Mm-hmm. 
and I was with Corvallis. And then uh, when I got here, I'm like, man, I just want to be here. I just love it here. Like, I love being um, college ministry, the college world. I love mm-hmm. this college town. I just felt like the Lord was saying, like, this is where I want you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like leaving on a whim and not no one really understanding why you're going or where you're going. Mm-hmm was really hard for like my mom was hard for Rosanna it was just hard for like everyone yeah. so I was like okay I gotta head back and tell people like everything I've seen and everything I've done and how the Lord is working you know mm-hmm. so I went back and kind of told people yeah I'm gonna move there probably by next summer oh, full-time wow. yeah um and through the people I met, it was like I was able to find someone to live with. So packed up all my stuff and moved back next summer. Again, people were still like super skeptical. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't blame them. And it's all in love. And and then, uh, you know, I'm from a Calvary background. So I was like, well, I might as well check out the Calvary Chapel out here. And I drove up here. I was like, whoa, this church is humongous. <laughs> you know, it's like, God cannot want me here because they they have it all. Like, why would they want me here? You know, and. But then, like, I was like, no, like, this is where I have you. And I was like, God, but they don't need me. Like, go send me somewhere I could be used and be, per- mm-hmm. you know, because in my mind, it's like, this is humongous. Like, they, mm-hmm. they got everything. And then as I started getting more involved here, you know, I just showed up and I was like, hey, how can I help? Um, so for the first few months, I just worked at John outside. And then I started working with Cindy in the office. And then just one thing led to another and made some mm-hmm. really good friends. And, um, started attending the college ministry and after a while uh jake moival was hired to be a college pastor or the high school pastor and he asked if i would help him so i stepped in and helped him for a year but i'm like man i'm not a high school person like i i'll help you get it running and then <laughs> you, you take it over um so we did that and then i stepped out so that he could just really thrive as a high school pastor and not lean on me or have me you know so I uh, want to give him space to grow and then from there and the back in the college world a little bit and then uh, and then from there my church back home asked if I would come back and be their college pastor in California and it felt like things weren't going the way exactly how I wanted here and I prayed and I felt like the Lord was giving me the green light mm-hmm. so after three years almost three years of being here I left moved back down to California, got engaged, um, became the college pastor down there, young adults pastor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and I came back, got married here, and then went back down. And then things things were going really well down there ministry-wise, but other aspects of life was really hard. Or work was really hard and other stuff. But in, this, in the, the same time, like I just felt like, man, I, Oregon is where God has me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and all you know, they just wanted to go back. And um, there are a series of another bunch of random events coming up here to meet with someone. Then Rob got a hold of me, and then we started talking. And then Rob asked if I would be the uh, high school pastor out here. Mm. And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of crazy. Did not expect <laughs> that. Like, I came up here to celebrate one of my friends getting a wedding, and then <laughs> Rob approaches me for for that. And I was like, oh." I was like, well, I'll talk to you, Rosanna, and we'll pray about it. So I get back and told Rosanna, and we went for a we went for a weekend just to pray and seek the Lord, and we felt like the Lord was saying yes. And then that was on a Saturday, no, that was on a Sunday, and then that Monday we found out she's pregnant. <laughs> so I was like, oh, wow. 
was happening at once. Wow. Right. Everything just getting thrown into us. And I was like, but for personality, I love that. I just love the adventure of life. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So I'm like, so I was like, I guess we're going to Oregon. <laughs> you know, and then months of preparing and saying goodbyes and all that. We ended up here. So we ended up here. Wow. We're so grateful for the Lord. We, we love it here. Yeah. So, um, what has your vision been for the high school ministry and how has it changed since when you first came? Like, has it changed at all? Like from when you first came to now? Yeah. Um, I would say it has not changed, but we're, I think we're finally there, Mm. you know, and, uh, I would say the first few years are really hard changing a whole culture. Um, I know in my own personality and just the way I do ministry, the way, the way God has wired me and called me to do ministry is very different from most uh, other pastors. I feel like, I feel like most other pastors are very charismatic and dynamic and like engaging and just like are people that could walk in a room and draw a crowd. Mm-hmm. And that has never been me. You know, and I'm totally okay with that. And and I think God has wired me completely different. Like what I love about ministry is supporting other people to do the work. Mm. You know, watching other people get opportunity and to grow and to take ownership rather than follow me that they could walk on their own and follow the Lord. Mm. Um, so the vision has always been for the youth to take ownership of their faith, to take for the youth to be leading the ministry. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that where we were at when I first came in, that was just not possible. Mm-hmm. You know, and we kept trying and kept praying, praying for revival, praying for just hearts to be even turned to the Lord for so long. And and I look at it now, it's like, you know, like what we're doing for a youth group right now, like with the Bible reading app, like one of our high schoolers put that on together for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then the devotionals, like every single one of you guys are doing, I haven't even done one yet. <laughs> You know, it's like just absolutely so encouraging and just the way yeah. I see everyone reaching out to each other. Like, and there's like, really doesn't feel like a click anymore. Maybe there's a girl click and a guy click at most, but other than that, it feels like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it feels like so unified and like, I, I just feel so blessed and so proud and that I get to be part of it. And, mm. you know, it's the vision that the Lord gave us early on um, and everything we tried, it felt like we couldn't get there until the Lord brought the increase. So all glory goes to God. Mm. I'm just glad he showed us what he was going to do. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. so cool. So you kind of just briefly mentioned um, the Bible plans that we're doing with our youth group. Um, What advice do you have for maybe high schoolers who aren't doing that right now and they can't obviously go to youth group right now during the coronavirus, but what advice do you have for high schoolers that maybe don't have those opportunities to still be connected? To be connected to the group as a whole? Yes. Or just with their church or with God or community. Right. So yeah, you know, Pastor Gary and I were talking about this. It's like, so we have like zoom meetings, we have Mm -hmm. different opportunities connect and, we do live in such a technological advanced world where right. um, there are so many ways connecting. You see people connecting over video games, you see people connecting on social media, you know, we're doing, a, we're doing a podcast, you know, like there's just, yeah. there's a, there's a unlimited ways to connect these days, but unfortunately nothing can ever truly replace being face to face. And I look at this time as, okay, how are we going to, 
do as much as we can to get by on the fellowship aspect of things until our fellowship can be in full, mm. until we can be face to face. So I don't think, to be honest, like anything we can, anything we're doing right now is actually sustainable mm. in the long run in terms of fellowship. But it, we can we can use these things like Zoom and everything else to maintain and try to like keep things going so it doesn't just fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And then for students who are not connected, you know, you know, my encouragement would be get connected. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, like take advantage of the opportunities that are before us and, you know, um, call someone, text someone, join us for me- Zoom meetings, you yeah. know, like, like that would be my expectation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think, so yeah. we have one last question for you and it is what advice do you have for teens who are striving to grow their faith through this season? I guess you kind of said get connected with right. others, but how do they grow their own faith through this season? Right. I think, uh, you know, like right now that's what this is going really, I think with everyone being shut down, you have fellowship really being shut down in many ways. Like this is what it's going to be all about are we growing in our own faith? Like, are we challenging ourselves to, you know, take advantage of this time because we're never going to be given probably another time like this for Mm -hmm. the rest of our lives. Like we're this still, this quiet. um, And you're this much to your own free thought, your own thoughts. You're, you know, we could sit around the couch, watch TV, play video games and waste it. Mm -hmm. Or we can really try hard, dedicate this time to the Lord. And fellowship encourages that. But at the end of the day, like it is still on, I think every student, every person, individual responsibility to say, I want to be given my, I want to give my time to the Lord during this time. And you look at like persecuted countries, you look at, you know, Christians in the Middle East, Christians in China, they are extremely isolated, but yet their faith is growing rampantly. You know, it's going, it's just growing every day in leaps and bounds because it's because they're fully given to the Lord in prayer and seeking the word and studying the word. Um, one thing I love about youth is there's a recklessness of youth and we can, and, the, and a youth who is reckless for the Lord is amazing. You, you know, there are more missionaries sent out when you're young than when you're old, right? Because there's just this willingness to say, God, use me like I don't care whatever about these things I just want to be reckless for God so I think in this time like like we all can get a bible we all get a hold of a bible and we all can pray mm-hmm. just because you're forced to be still doesn't mean your heart or your mind is still mm-hmm. but learn yeah. to be still look learn to go on walks and with the Lord learn to just spend alone time with the, you know with a pen a highlighter in your bible and just marking it up and mm-hmm. as you pray dream with the lord you know like dream of what allow god to give you dreams and vision of mm-hmm. what you can do with your life for him and but you know most of all just draw close and draw near to the lord mm-hmm. yeah that's such great advice well thank you so much daniel for being with us today it's been a huge blessing i know for me <laughs> to hear your story and just to um get to talk with you again i know it's been a while um but yeah, I just hope that through this time that um, your words are able to bless people as I know that they will be able to. So yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was great. <laughs> but until next time, I'm Erin. And I'm Tatum. And this has been the Taco Latte Podcast. I 
Okay. <laughs>